This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Welcome back in. You're listening to the September 22nd, 2017 edition of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast dedicated to answering all of your fantasy football questions. And yes, we are brought to you by MyBookie. I'm your host, Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Joining me today on the show is the GOAT NASCAR DFS player and analyst, editor-in-chief and co-owner here at The Viz, a math PhD, co-host of the On the Daily DFS podcast and the Numbers Game pod here at The Viz, and a guy with an absolutely irrational love for Bud Light. Welcome to the show, Mailbag, to the Mailbag Show. Nick Giffen, you can find him on the tweets at Rotodoc. It's great to have you on the Mailbag Show. Doc, man, what's good? <laughs> I love the intro there. I think maybe the only thing missing was my also my irrational love for Applebee's, but I can always- Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Always get a Bud Light at Applebee's, so I think we're good. I, I, you know, it, oh, we're just going to go straight into the food hot takes, but I can't lie. The the Applebee's blackened chicken Alfredo is pretty damn good. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, anything really you can get on that two for 20 is, is it, you're pretty solid in your set. So uh, it's right down the street for me. It was funny when I lived in North Carolina, uh, we, we would just go right across the street to Applebee's and we moved to Vegas and the place we lived first in Vegas, Applebee's wasn't anywhere close by. Moved into our new house a couple months ago, about a month or two ago, and uh, once again, Applebee's is right across the street, so I'm pretty happy. You can't go wrong. And these days, I mean, I'm all about the budget. I'm on a budget. I'm on the two for 20. And the kids are always wondering, Dad, why are we getting a two for 20? I said, because we can split it four ways. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's that's what <laughs> wife and I do. We get two for 20, and we've got a meal for two days, for one for each of us, you know, day one and day two. There you go. There you go. All right, Doc, before we get into it, uh, we're going to be answering questions for the week regarding Dynasty Trades, Player Outlooks, Redraft Takes, Start Sits, DFS Hits, all that jazz. Uh, Doc, you recently wrote a funny as shit declaring victory for running back posts on the site. I couldn't help but laugh while I was reading it. While it was lighthearted and downright funny, it brought forth some amazing trades with respect to recency bias, confirmation bias, variance in the NFL, you name it. So now we're heading into week three, and while a handful of running backs are starting to pick things things up, of course, it's it's Todd Gurley night here. Uh, some of the best running back performances, though, are coming from guys that were actually drafted late. So I think, what do you think in terms of the future? How What are we expecting here in the short term and long term? Are we going to see yet another swing in ADP next season, or is it somewhere going to be in, somewhere in the middle? 
Yeah, it's so weird because obviously last year with the the way zero RB was in 2015, how it worked so well. 2016, you know, running backs were were drafted much, much, much later, later than ever by by a mile. And now, you know, 2016 all of a sudden was the year of the running back, so we've swung all the way back and then some to the side of drafting running backs. So. You know, I think we're probably going to end up in the middle. I don't think this is going to be the year of the running back. We've already seen, unfortunately, some injuries. David Johnson. Uh, thankfully, Carlos Hyde isn't injured as we're watching this game. You know, he'd come out with a hip injury. He's back in now. But we've also seen just some poor running back performances, as we expect from these running backs in these high-leverage rounds. Jordan Howard hasn't done much so far. DeMarco Murray's been pretty absent. I know Le'Veon Bell's got off to a slow start, but I'm not worried about Le'Veon bell as i wrote about in that article so i think we'll probably end up seeing somewhere in between uh, i do think people will realize running backs are probably drafted a little too early even guys that we think are bulletproof like david johnson unfortunately can have things happen to them i mean this is the road david johnson's been injured it's just he got injured in the last game of the year last year so we didn't all think about that because you know it happened in game 16 or 17 instead of game five or six or three so uh, I think we'll end up somewhere in the middle going into 2018 and ADP will actually probably strike a, a bit of an interesting balance and then you also kind of have to forecast down the road what's going to happen with these positional trends and, and want to point to a forecasting article that our senior analyst at Rotoviz Ben Gretsch wrote because I think it's very apt that you know the the third wide receiver has definitely been absorbing a lot of targets recently in the NFL and it, it's it's been more and more and more over the years so how does that affect your elite wide receiver so I think we're probably going to end up somewhere in the middle and uh, there will be wide receiver value later so that's what people were arguing this year but that later wide receiver value hasn't really completely manifested itself yet I mean you look at the guys that are that are up near the top it's still some of the big names it's not obviously not all the big names but but plenty of big names are still near the top in terms of points so I think it'll end up in the middle yeah, I think that's absolutely a fair and reasonable and respectable tape. And uh, Ben and I also had that conversation on these airwaves, and we definitely talked about the, uh, we don't want to say the demise of the elite wide receiver, but something to look at in terms of maybe some of the redistribution of some of that production uh, going into the wide receiver twos and threes and potentially the scat back. So, yeah, I think we're, we're really trying to uh, kind of gauge the sample and what it's going to look like going forward, and I think you're right. It's somewhere in the middle here. Now, in terms of uh, DFS, content. You don't necessarily land a little bit in the middle there, Doc. You pen a weekly DFS contrarian post. Who are you? Who are a couple guys that you have your radar in this week? Yeah, this is an interesting week. I think week three has probably has the sharpest pricing and, and some of the most difficult situations, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, I think, or sorry, at the wide receiver position, I should say, but I think we, where we can be contrarian is at the quarterback position. I was getting a little ahead of myself there. Uh, there's two games that I'm really eyeballing. One of them is the Washington-Oakland game, and the other is the Detroit-Atlantic game. And I like taking the opposite side of the, the chalk in these games. And I think the chalk in these games for the quarterback position with Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr, I like going the other direction, Matt Ryan going with uh, uh, Kirk Cousins there for Washington. I think these are two good situations. You'll get them at under 10% ownership. Last year, the winning millionaire maker lineup 
was over the quarterback was over 10 percent owned only twice out of 16 times so i i think it's a good always good to be contrarian at quarterback and and fade the chalk i think cam newton's also going to be chalking and when we say contrarian it doesn't always just mean finding the low end play it means knowing what chalk to fade how to be different in terms of everybody else and and i think cam newton is going to be the chalk to fade this week i actually think this carolina new orleans game is going to go under both teams have have struggled at times a little bit offensively uh, you know, I think um, Carolina has shown good defense so far, and uh, New Orleans does present a threat, but New Orleans is on the road. We know Drew Brees splits there. So I like the under on this game for Carolina and New Orleans. I think that's another way to be contrarian. Finally, if I have to give like a, a contrarian pick, like a play outside of the quarterback position, I like being contrarian this weekend at the tight end position. I think Martellus Bennett, I got a couple interesting stats here on him, Martellus Bennett, has the fifth highest opportunity for uh, tight ends this year if you use Rotoviz's expected points metric. He just hasn't quite converted them, but the guy has, you know, he has eight and a half targets per game. There are questions about Jordy Nelson's health, Randall Cobb's health. Maybe one of them doesn't play. He gets a few extra targets that way, and uh, it's a very good matchup. So I, I like Martellus Bennett this weekend. Cincinnati gave up, I think it was the second most targets to tight ends last year. Very good. You mentioned Martellus Bennett. You also mentioned Kirk Cousins, a very sharp take going on the opposite side of that game there. And uh, that also brings me to uh, another article that you pen on the weekly Stack It Up post. So what are you looking at this week? Are you taking a look at potentially uh, pairing up the likes of Kirk Cousins with Terrell Pryor or uh, matching Marty B with A-Rod there? Yeah, definitely. I think Kirk Cousins with Terrell Pryor is a a strong play. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens with Jordan Reed here. He did practice today as we record this, but uh, you never know with him. But if he does play and he's going to be, you know, one, two, three percent owned, something like that, because people are worried about his injuries, I don't mind taking a shot on him. Don't go crazy on him, but definitely stacking up that game. You could you could run it back on the Oakland side with basically anybody. Jared Cook, I think, is the obvious play with as much as the Redskins allow, and he's going to be pretty chalky. But that's okay if you're. Uh, got a contrarian quarterback like Kirk Cousins, you're still going to have kind of a differentiated lineup. So I like stacking that game. Um, I think uh, another interesting game, as I mentioned, the Atlanta-Detroit game, I think it's interesting to stack. I like, you know, if you are going to play Matthew Stafford, who is on the chalkier side of that game for the quarterbacks because of his price tag relative to Ryan's, I like stacking with Golden Tate, who I think will be more contrarian than Eric Ebron. Marvin Jones has been getting some play as a guy who's had a lot of air yards and touchdowns in two straight games. I think Golden Tate will go the lowest owned, but Atlanta struggles with the slot. They struggle with the running back in the pass game, and they struggle with the tight end in the pass game. So give me the guy who's going to be the lowest owned of those three, and that's Golden Tate. So I like the Matthew Stafford-Golden Tate stack to, to be a little contrarian with a chalky quarterback and, and stacking at the same time. Yes, and bring that shit back with Julio Jones, baby. Let's go. Hundred percent. <laughs> oh, he's, he's, this... he's in the he's in a dome on the road. It's still on turf. Julio struggles on grass, but on the road, he's fine if it's on turf. Yes, yes. Fantastic content, as always. Nick Giffen on the site, of course. That's Rotodoc. All of his DFS contrarian and stack it ups are at the site. And uh, a phenomenal team of DFS analysts on the site. And right now, you can still get a load of all of that content at a 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast at rotoviz.com slash podcast. Again, that subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the premium NFL content, not just the season long, not just the DFS. 
DFS. You get it all. And oh, by the way, it also supports the pod. You can also support the pod by subscribing to and rating the Rotoviz Radio channel on iTunes. Look, it takes hard work getting the show out every single week. Do us a solid. Hit the rate button. And of course, if you have any questions you want answered on this show, Email us, rotavisradio, gmail.com. We'll go ahead and get those answered for you as well. All right, Doc, let's race race to the finish line here and hit these QQs for the week. And that was probably the worst segue I ever did on the show, but it was very predictable. Had to do it. Just had to. That, uh, that's all right. You're impressing, uh, you're impressing me here with the, the segues. They're better <laughs> than mine. We, 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 we do our best. That's all we do. You know, we'll, we'll throw a quarter in the tip jar or get that 30% discount out there, folks. All right. Here we go, Doc. Redraft. Christian McCaffrey and Orleans Darkwa or Carlos Hyde and Matt Breida. Rest of season. Yeah. I love this question because this stabs right at the heart of Josh Hermsmeyer. Uh, obviously one of our, our top <laughs> analysts at Rotoviz. He is so anti Christian McCaffrey and so pro Carlos Hyde. I knew as soon as this email hit our inbox, what his answer would be. We, we would actually was a part of a Rotoviz internal email there. And, uh, it was, it was no doubt which direction Josh Hermsmeyer was going to go. And, I actually am going to go the same direction as him. I was a little worried because I had this answer all planned out, and then Carlos Hyde left the game with a hip injury right before we were recording this, and I was like, oh, my God, what do I do now? But but he hides back in the game. you got to go Hyde and Matt Breida. Uh, I, I like Christian McCaffrey a lot. I like him, I think, better than Carlos Hyde. Um, you know, I think they're pretty close in terms of redraft this year, but the backup is really the key. Orleans Darkwood doesn't have any backup upside. I mean, let's say Paul Perkins gets injured. Orleans Darkwood is still not going to catch passes. Like, that's Shane Vereen's job, whereas Brito will probably get the full complement of workload. There maybe obviously see some touches to uh, Raheem Mostert, but I don't think it's going to be that much. I think Brito is going to be the guy there. So give me Hyde. Give me Brito as the better uh, backup. You know, and obviously Darkwood's not backing up McCaffrey directly, but he just is a backup, period. And, and he's useless for fantasy. So. Give me a starting running back with his handcuff. I, I like that play a lot better. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. The only thing that might make me lean to the McCaffrey side is the fact that Orleans Darkwa has a pretty awesome name. I wish I had a name like Orleans Darkwa, if we're being honest here. Um, but it's definitely Carlos Hyde. McCaffrey, he's going to see an uptick. He has to see an uptick just inherently uh, based on all the injuries in Carolina. But yeah, his uptick is essentially going to get him from a volume perspective into where we've already seen it uh kind of mature mature for Carlos Hyde here. So, yeah, the answer here is Carlos Hyde. Uh, moving on, redraft. Uh, this is a good one here, Doc. Big Ben on the road for Chicago or Trevor Simeon on the road in Buffalo. Might be a little closer than most folks think. Yeah, it's, it's actually interesting because it, it's getting the point where – who would have ever thought this, you know, a year ago, Big <laughs> Ben versus Trevor Simeon is an actual question, right? And we're getting to the point where, where Tre- Trevor Simeon looks like an NFL quarterback in some ways. I think he's he's never going to be an elite superstar, but certainly he has his week-to-week utility. Uh, we've, we've very clearly seen it already twice this year. We saw it several times last year. Um, and then Big Ben on the road is always a struggle, but I think... Because Simeon's going on the road, traveling, you know, most of the way across the country to Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo hasn't, you know, obviously been terrible on defense. They haven't really uh, had to had to struggle, I guess, because they played the New York Jets and then they played Carolina, who's looked kind of inept on offense just in general. But uh, I still think I want Big Ben. Uh, it is Chicago, so they should be, you know, they should move the ball. And I, I just think with, with Simeon going across the country and just not quite having the pedigree of Big Ben, you got to go Big Ben. But it is a lot closer than we ever would have thought. 
Absolutely. I'm with you there. That, that, you know, multiple time zone thing that seems like it might have the makings of a, a quote unquote trap type game. Chicago, uh, near and dear here. And, uh, what they, what they like to call, the kids like to call these days, Doc, a funnel defense, right? So we should, we should see Big Ben, despite being on the road, be able to, to put some, put it down there. Uh, next one is redraft. What do I do with the Minnesota wide receivers this week? I'll throw out there or the rest of the way here, right? It seems like Bradford will be, uh, able to play here, but we don't really know anything about his injury. So, Doc, what's the latest and greatest on this one? Yeah, so I emailed a couple days ago our, our great doctor, Dr. Jeffrey Budoff at Rotoviz, and I specifically asked about uh, Bradford because I picked up Bradford basically everywhere in all my high-stakes fantasy football leagues. And then, of course, we get this knee situation, and it's just so it's so typical that I go and pick up Sam Bradford <laughs> after he's playing well, and then his knee decides to flare up. But uh, you know, Budoff did not, Dr. Budoff did not seem too concerned. Sound like there was some inflammation. It, 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 you know, the, the report was a bone bruise, but it, he, Budoff actually thinks it was a, a cartilage or chondral injury. Pain, swelling, swelling stiffness, injecting with steroids. You know, he probably could play week three. Uh, it might take another week to calm down, but I think going forward, the Minnesota wide receivers will be just fine. The question is this week, and uh, it's a question Sean Siegel was asking me just today before you know the Thursday night game start. He's like, uh, you know, I've got a couple guys who who we're waiting on injury situations. One of them is Diggs with the Sam Bradford news, not Diggs himself. And do I start Sammy Watkins over Diggs because you know we don't know what's going on with Bradford? Like it's it's a question that even some of the brightest minds in the industry don't know what to do. I think if Bradford plays, he'll probably be a little limited, so you might want to discount Diggs a little bit this week. But going forward, it'll be fine. Now that said, you're still playing Diggs over over other guys like Marvin Jones, for example. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't start Marvin Jones over Stephon Diggs, even if Case Keenum played. I know. Didn't go great this week, but I think you kind of have to stick with your studs. And if Bradford plays 100%, not 100% I would, uh, Sam Bradford will feel, but if Bradford plays 100%, I would take Diggs over a guy like Marvin Jones, even with a, a bit of a limited Sam Bradford. Very good, Doc. All right. Now, you somewhat recently made the move out to Vegas where most people tend to say they can't last more than three days, four nights, right? So, like, as if there aren't people living out there their everyday lives, simply living their lives. So now that you're there and you have more of a local view on the tourism scene, what is the craziest thing you've seen since you moved in? All right. I actually have to give two things because I couldn't decide between them. And it's not as wild as you would think, but it's kind of just more like funny and WTF type things. So the first was when we were flying out of Vegas one time to go back to the East Coast. Uh, I think my wife was um, defending her PhD or something like that. And we got in the, the airport line. And, you know, you go through uh, a TSA or whatever, and you hand them your ticket and your ID or whatever. This one woman tried to go through security or, or the TSA line with her Costco card instead of an actual <laughs> ID, <laughs> and, and couldn't understand why they wouldn't let her through without a co- with her Costco card and not her ID. So that was that was it was like right in front of us too. I couldn't believe it. Like my jaw just hit the floor and and of course we, then we got stuck there for like 15 minutes while they like searched this lady and oh god. Um but the other one which I actually happened in like Vegas proper on the strip and it's kind of it's kind of hilarious and I also kind of wish it would happen to me someday. But I was walking down the strip, you know, just having a night out. I think, um, you know, we only go to the strip when, when we have visitors in town for the most part. But uh, I think we had a buddy in town and we were walking down the strip. And all of a sudden I see this guy walking by 
with a case of Budweiser, which, of course, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, would catch my eye. <laughs> then I looked at the guy. He was dressed up in a suit. He was probably over 80 years old and looked like Jimmy Carter. And, I, you know, I would have been like, okay, there's some old 80-year-old guy who had, like, no teeth and, and looked really all disheveled. It might have fit a little bit. But this was like... It looked like a like the president of the United States, like the former president of the United States, Jimmy Carter, walking down the Vegas Strip with a 30-pack of Budweiser. I was like, what is going on here? I kind of want to be that guy when I'm 80, 85. <laughs> I think it was Jimmy Carter, right? <laughs> I mean, it could have been. Who knows? You, you never know these days. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff going on out there. If for nothing else, it may have been uh, somebody, you know, he, he does his act right off the strip playing Jimmy Carter. He just happened to be Jimmy Carter that Friday night. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I will say, Vegas, there's there's a lot of, I guess, tempting things. But when you live here, it's it's really not that tempting. All right. So what's being what's worse here, Doc? Being bit by a scorpion or watching Twitter just completely lose its you know what every time uh, somebody mentions Kenny Britt is not dead. You you had to go there. Um, <laughs> both of those things. And actually, uh, being bit by a scorpion was was pretty pretty terrible. But now that I've been through it, I feel like I can I can handle it again. And actually, I've seen not bit but stung by a scorpion. And I was stung by the most venomous scorpion. In all of the United States, the bark scorpion. Luckily, it was an adult and not a young one. Uh, the young ones apparently can't control their venom as well, but uh, it did not feel good. However, I think it's actually worse for me, given my, my occupation, to see what's happened to Kenny Britt these first two weeks. Everybody declaring victory. And we don't even know like what's going on with Richard Higgins. I mean, he's a, a guy who's played one game this year. I mean, yes, he has a very good profile, but he played in the slot, and that's where Baltimore is weakest, is against the, the slot. And so Kenny Britt was on the outside. Corey Coleman was on the outside against Baltimore. Britt didn't see many targets, but Coleman, he saw seven or eight targets. He only caught one. That's how good Baltimore's secondary is against the outside wide receiver. They've allowed a ton of volume in over the over the middle to the slot receiver. So I think this is a situation where we don't know as much as, as, as we, being the crowd, thinks we know. And uh, I think this is a situation where Kenny Bridges faced the perfect storm, a really tough defense in week two, dropped the ball in week one. But if he took it to the house, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. There it is. James Brown, Britt, in a GPP. Here we go. All right, Dynasty. C.J. Anderson and a 2018 rookie pick. I'm a contending team, and it looks like the pick should be in the top 25%. Yeah, uh, so I think I would rather have the 2018 rookie pick, but it definitely is a close one. Uh, but you never know what can happen at the running back position and, and you know, the rookie, if, especially if you're going to get a top 25% or, or most likely you can get a top 25% there. I think I'd rather have the rookie pick, if, especially if you don't need Anderson like right away. Uh, if you're trying to win this year, probably go on with CJ Anderson. He, he looks good and uh, he's performed well the first two weeks, but going forward, we don't know what's going to happen there. There's, there's a plenty of other backs in Denver that I think, and I mean, I'm not even counting Jamal Charles, but you know, D'Angelo Henderson, Booker, maybe they could sign somebody. You never know what's going to happen in the future there with CJ Anderson. And obviously injuries can happen. He's been injured multiple times before, and he's not an elite, elite running back. So I think I'd go with the 2018 rookie pick. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. Here's another one for Dynasty, Devontae Adams or the aforementioned Corey Coleman in a 2018 second. Whew, that's a that's a tough one too because obviously Corey Coleman struggled with his hand injuries. We haven't gotten to see the best of him. 
Uh, 2018 second might not be enough for me, so I think I'm going to go Devontae Adams right now. Also, there's, of course, the injury situation going on with Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson that uh, there is some immediate possible uptick in targets as well if one of those two were to miss a little bit of time. Um, and I just don't think the second rounder is enough for me, given we don't actually know what to expect from Corey Coleman yet. We haven't seen a huge game from him other than one game last year, really, for the most part. And we haven't seen really a huge game from from Corey Coleman other than the one game last year. So I think we got to go Devontae Adams. We've actually seen it from him so far. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there as well. The Devontae Adams side is the side you want. I think the only scenario where I would take the Corey Coleman side is if you happen to have Devontae Adams on your team. And this is what it seems like this is that type of trade. Uh, the guy has Devontae Adams, but, uh, that's basically what he has on his team and not much else. So, uh, getting a Corey Coleman, an injured Corey Coleman and a 2018 second on that team, uh, helps if you're, if you're doing the long term type of play here. Uh, Doc, I'm just happy we got to see the usage from Corey Coleman for a couple games before he went under here. So uh, I, I invested in Corey Coleman in quite a few places. So luckily that worked out. And I also have one of those types of dynasty teams where I'm not necessarily playing for today. I'm playing for the long haul here and in trying to get guys like Corey Coleman and those second round picks on my team. But I still want that sweat right now. That's exactly why I use the draft app. So fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football like we do, then you have to try our favorite new app draft all you do is draft and it lasts one week nothing more there's no roster management uh, no waiver wires anything like that that we sometimes don't exactly love in the industry let's be honest right just set it and forget it and boom you're done once you're done drafting no trades no waiver wire draft even takes care of the last minute injuries for you so you don't have to tilt those every single uh, season-long draft that you do as well. Uh, these drafts are going on every single uh, day, every single hour, every couple of minutes, in fact. So go ahead and get over there right now. And the best part, you can play for straight cash, homie. Draft starts at uh, just $1, and the drafts are for everyone. There's no salary caps, live, real-time snake drafts, just like you play with your buddies over in season-long. Just like those coworkers, you kick their ass all the time. So get over to Draft and actually get some competition over here, folks. So get over there today. Download the app anytime. Just search Draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or play right from your computer on PlayDraft.com. Whatever you want for a limited time only, I'll tell you what. We'll go ahead and give you a free entry into the draft. Use RV Radio. That's right. Real money game, free. Just use our promo code here at the Viz RV Radio, and we'll hook up on your first deposit on Draft. Again, that's Draft in the App Store, PlayDraft.com. Come play for free, RV Radio. All right, Doc. What is your favorite memory, fantasy or non-fantasy related? Man, that's like a kind of a loaded question because, like, if I don't <laughs> say marrying my wife, I'm pretty screwed, right? So, oh, I never thought um, about it that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So, so let's say non-family related, uh, friends or family related. I, I actually, it was it was close, and I was I was choosing between uh, going back to back in the 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 uh, first NASCAR race of the season, the first slate of the season in the DFS, where I won it two years in a row. That was pretty exciting to, to win the, uh, it's called the Clash now, it used to be called the Sprint Unlimited, but it's the same race two years in a row, winning the, the NASCAR GPP there, but my favorite memory, I think, non-family related, non-friends related, is actually going to be uh, when I was when I was younger, I actually, um, in high school and stuff, I really got into uh, music, I was a jazz trombonist, I played in the band and all that, and I actually started out as a music major, 
Um, instead of a math major, I switched to math after, after two years. But when I was in high school, I got invited to play with the University of Virginia jazz band because they didn't have enough trombonists there. They weren't a music school. Um, and, and so when I was in high school, I played, like I said, with a, a college jazz band and, um, I was composing and, and doing things like that. So the, my favorite memory was actually having my first composition. It wasn't actually a composition. I kind of rewrote a, uh, an already existing piece, but, uh, having a rendition of, of another piece that I, that I rearranged and, and recomposed. So played in a concert in front of, you know, a packed hall of, of people. And I actually got to play a solo in the middle of it as well. And I, I crushed the solo. So I was pretty happy about that. So that is one of my favorite memories. And, and I think probably a lot of you didn't know about that about me, that outside of being a math person, I used to be a music person. This is exactly why I do this show, Doc, because you're right. I did not know that about you, and that's pretty freaking awesome to say. And uh, you went further than I did. By the time I got to high school, I was just like, no way. There's no way I'm going in the marching band. Forget it. So I just stopped playing percussion and drums. I didn't continue jazz. And, uh, uh, yeah, you look back at life and realize, yeah, that was probably stupid. But, uh, yeah, so never knew that. That's you. You were literally on your way to composing music. Yeah, I mean, it, it was funny. And then, of course, you know, after my second year of college, I was I was home over the summer and woke up one day and I had no plans. And I went to bed the night before. I had never thought of this. And I woke up one morning in the middle of summer you know, after my second year of college and woke up. I was like, I'm done with music. So I drove the 50 minutes from Charlottesville, where I grew up, uh, over to James Madison University, where I went to undergrad and uh, switched my major. So <laughs> it totally just ended one day and didn't even plan on it. Well, you were done with music. This next question, the drafter's wondering if he should be done with OBJ this year. Even when he does get healthy, should Eli curb his enthusiasm and should he use his first game with high usage as a point to trade him? Oh, I don't know. I think uh, I think I would not be done with Odell Beckham. The thing is, Eli wasn't that great last year either. I mean, he didn't have any huge ceiling games, or uh, you know, obviously he had his, his his poor moments. But Odell Beckham still put up a a very very strong season, and Eli Eli him, himself, his own production is highly correlated to Odell Beckham. If you just look at, for example, DraftKings points, they have a point seven. Uh, not R squared, but correlation coefficient. So the R squared is just 0.7 times 0.7, which is 0.49. So essentially 50% of Eli's production is correlated with Odell Beckham Jr.'s production and then obviously vice versa. So, uh, I, there, you know, Eli will feed off of Odell Beckham Jr. I don't think Eli will bring down Odell. We, we saw last year Odell was just fine. I am not too worried. Uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade Odell at his first big game or anything like that uh they he just correlates with eli and 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 i think actually he will elevate eli in some ways very good and also next question along the same lines with the giants they can't seem to run on anyone uh again yet again is this shane vereen target market share sustainable also are there any other ppr backs i should be targeting in dk dfs this week for savings yeah, I mean, Shane Vereen is is one of those guys, Chris Thompson, Shane Vereen, I think you can kind of put them in the same bucket where they they get a lot of, of targets almost almost independent of the game script, but Vereen especially in, in negative game script, he gets a lot of targets. And if the Giants are going to be as bad as they are, then I think Vereen's target market share could be pretty sustainable. You're just going to have to realize a lot of it will come in junk time as the first two times, the first two games it did. Now, if they ever get ahead, I actually think Vereen is, is not going to be in a good situation. So he's somebody you really, really want to consider the situation week to week on whether you're going to play him in your flex or on DraftKings or anything like that. 
Other other DraftKings backs this week, I mentioned uh, that Detroit game and how Atlanta struggles against pass-catching backs, and we all know who Detroit's pass-catching back is there. Uh, that would be Theo Riddick. I know he's priced up at 5100 but Chris Thompson right now is priced up at 45 4600 something like that after those two big weeks. I'd much rather have Theo Riddick at, at that $500 price increase over Thompson, so especially against Atlanta, who's just absolute worst against the running back in the past game. So give me and, and here's the other thing about theoretic. They've been ahead in both their games. So they haven't really needed him a ton, but this game against Atlanta, they could actually it could be pretty competitive, it could be close, they could even be behind. So this is the week I really want to get on theoretic. Very good. Well, you're getting on Theo Riddick. Everybody else in this next question is getting on Rashard Higgins uh, for Rashard Higgins Chalk Week. Uh, so the question is, is it a trap? So I know you kind of already talked about this, Doc, in terms of Rashard Higgins. We don't exactly know. Uh, it was a little bit more of a forced situation. Now they've got a full week to game plan here. What I'll say from a chalk or a cash perspective is he's a salary saver, right? And you know his ownership is going to be uh, increased this week. So you can't really call a guy that inexpensive and a good matchup a trap because at the very least he's a block if at nothing else and you can move on and use the savings um, so I won't say it's a trap I wouldn't expect a great ton of upside here but probably with that increased ownership somebody that you might not want to go to in a GPP uh, anything to defer or add to that pretty much 100% with you I think in cash games it's fine but you're right I don't know about the upside so I'd, I'd put my Admiral Akbar there and, and it's a trap uh, for for the GPP upside alright very good alright the next one here Doc here we go so this is the fuck Mary kill for the week and uh, this this is something that just uh, I don't know how I don't know why but sometimes like I just have bad luck in real life right like you might have bad luck with tr- internet trolls so I have to throw this out there for you here so here's the FMK for the week fantasy Twitter trolls analyst trolls those are the ones that like to tell you not only that you're wrong but then they got to pimp their own stuff and tell you why you're, they're wrong and you're right and then of course the DFS trolls on top of them as well yeah, there, there's definitely some overlap between these two, so it's a little hard to, to I guess, parse. <laughs> but um, no, I want to, I want to kill the analyst trolls. Um, I just don't think they serve any purpose. There's a lot of good people who do a lot of hard work as analysts, and you're not going to get every call right. I mean, you're not going to with DSS, DFS, or anything like that either. But uh, yeah, I just, I just think they're the, they're the dreck of the trolls. Um, I kind of. I kind of love the the DFS trolls. I think they're funny in some ways because a lot of them know it's it's hard in DFS and they they struggle every week themselves. And of course, you know the the DFS touts aren't gonna get it right every week or every time. So I kind of I love them. So I, I kind of want to marry the DFS trolls. I think they're funny. Um, and then I think I could fuck the fantasy Twitter trolls because you never know what you're gonna get from the fantasy Twitter. I mean, it's just fantasy <laughs> Twitter. It's just it's it's such a blanket category that you can get just wild shit there, and and that's what you gotta fuck is the wild shit. <laughs> I'm with you on everything you answered 100%. And the, the, the DFS trolls one is hilarious, right? Because the DFS trolls, they're really not trolling you. They're trolling their tilt is what they're doing, yeah, right? They're trolling DFS as a whole, essentially. The, the, the game of DFS, their own tilt. Uh, DraftKings half the time they're tilting DraftKings or FanDuel or, or any of the other, you know, draft platforms, all of these things. They're, tr- they're trolling all of them, everything in DFS. So it's not just the, the analysts here that they're trolling. So I, I think they're, they're funny and I, I love them. 
<laughs> All right, sounds good. Here we go, Team Outlook. Just when I thought it was safe to use Alvin Kamara as the new lead pass catching back, the Saints went and uh, went back to Mark Ingram. So how do I know just when I think uh, they're going to go to Mark Ingram, they're actually going to go to Adrian Peterson and try to hit, get him going again? So what do we make of this backfield? Uh, should we expect anything different from the likes of Brandon Coleman and Kobe Fleener once Willie Sneed is back? Uh, really, I hate to say it, but this is this situation is just a cluster. It is, and the the Saints' offense hasn't looked looked good. I mean, I know they. It's funny though; they haven't looked good, and they've put up what twenty something points each game or something like that. So, you know, I'm getting. I, I have a lot of Drew Brees shares, and and I haven't seen the Drew Brees we all want and love and know. Yet he still put up eighteen, twenty, twenty two points or whatever it was in my different leagues in those two weeks. So I can't wait for them to get going, and I think Willie Sneed's turn will, will help. But with the running back situation. What I think is going to happen, they're going to realize Adrian Peterson is is pretty much done. He has not looked good. Uh, he did not look good last year at Minnesota, and I know it was a small sample size and a bad offensive line there, but he was actually the worst of the running backs at Minnesota in his small sample size. Uh, and then right now he's kind of just struggled at New Orleans. I know the whole backfield's kind of struggled in terms of running game, but he has no passing upside whatsoever either. And I think eventually he gets phased out. Uh, you know, he gets his minimal. He, he'll probably complain another couple times, and I, I would expect that. But uh, by and large, I think this is, comes down to Ingram and Kamara, and I think they're going to ride the hot hand. This is just one of those situations, almost almost in some ways like a Belichick situation or, or a, a game situational situation where I think they're going to ride the hot hand, and uh, Ingram will definitely have his usage, and, and Kamara will will certainly get uh, a bulk of the passing work plenty of times, but I don't think it'll be every single time. So it's just going to be one of those situations you're going to have to monitor between Ingram and Kamara, but by and large, I think you know you use Kamara in passing game situations and you use Ingram when you can get both some passing game and some groundwork uh, in a favorable situation there for the Saints. Yeah, I'm with you there as well. Both of these offense seem to have kind of been sputtering here and there. Uh, obviously, we were dealing with injuries on both sides of the ball there as well. I've been monitoring uh, this line over at my bookie and uh, really taking a look at that five and a half spread here. And I think I'm still on the Carolina side. I think I'm definitely a, a shoe in for the under here. Uh, not only every week are we getting the start sit questions, but we're also getting some of these Vegas specific questions off the airwaves as well. So if you have those questions, the best thing you guys can do do out there is just head over to my bookie. Uh, really great people over there, and they're giving away 100% cash bonuses right off the bat. So you're literally making money doing nothing while you do what you do, which is play fantasy football. There's fast payouts, literally the fastest in the industry. It's only two business days. You listen to this very show that already gives you an edge. So go ahead and lay down some cash and win big this weekend. I wouldn't recommend them if they weren't a good service, folks. They've been good to me. They'll be good to you. That's why we are urging everyone out there to head over to my my bookie, you win, they pay. That's kind of an important consideration to consider if we're actually being honest. So in-game, live betting, player props, uh, really come Sunday morning, head over to my bookie. That's when you're just going to see a plethora of the player props that you're going to take a look at and really kind of have the edge once you're done listening to Rotoviz Radio all week long. So join now at my bookie. They will match your deposit up to 100%. Use the promo code ROTOMAILBAG. Activate that offer. Visit mybookie.ag today on the mobile app it's fresh it's clean you play you win you get paid hey sports fans football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie 
MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. All right, Doc. Player Outlook. Alshon Jeffrey got paid by the Eagles this year and is off to a hot fire start atop the Air Yards leaderboard. Is he a buy or is he a sell after two weeks? You know, I, I'm going to go the third option here. I kind of just think he's a hold. I don't, I don't, like, if you sell him, what are you going to get for him? You're not going to get, uh, you know, Amari Cooper or you're not going to get. <laughs> Stefan Diggs, or you know, you might get Stefan Diggs, I guess, with the situation there. But I would, I would definitely much rather have Stefan Diggs. So you're not, you know, you're really not going to get a whole lot more for Alshon Jeffrey if you sell him. I don't think you're going to get Brandon Cooks, for example. I mean, I guess if you can, then then go for it. But uh, I, he's got a plenty of air yards. He's got plenty of targets. You know, he's been productive. So I, I, I like that productivity. I kind of want to hold him there. If if you're gonna try to buy him though, what are you gonna what are you gonna pay for him? Again, you're gonna nobody's gonna sell him for for a sixth round wide receiver or, or fifth round wide receiver. Um, you know, you're gonna be you're probably gonna be paying too much for him. So I kind of just think he's in that situation where he's looked like Alshon Jeffrey. What do we expect of him as his you know third or fourth round ish mid fourth round ish pick? I guess with ADP there. So I'm just holding Alshon Jeffrey at this point in time. Very good. All right, Nick. What was the worst job you ever had? You know, it's funny because I went through my jobs and I totally forgot about one. But, like, of the classic ones, I guess you would say being a, a cashier slash bagger at Kroger, the grocery store, was, was probably the air quote worst one. So I've been <laughs> lucky in that respect. But then I remembered grad school. And I got paid for grad school, right? Like, you get a stipend and, and all that, and you get your tuition waived. So I, I made a salary of those years. And grad school is easily the worst job I ever had. Uh, you know, it, it you had to go to school, first of all. And you had to, like, like do homework and, and do projects. And then I had to, like, teach people. And I hate teaching people. I'm so impatient. So <laughs> I actually think that was maybe the worst job I ever had. And it's funny because I'm, I'm, like, people always say I'm a good teacher. I explain things really well. But, uh I, and I, I actually do enjoy teaching if people want to learn, especially like DFS or fantasy or whatever. But when you're trying to teach a bunch of undergrads who don't want to be in pre-calculus, pre-calculus, nah, it's the worst thing ever. <laughs> well, I, I didn't go through pre-grad, but I did do the whole bagger and uh, and cart guy and the stalker over at the Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly shop the pig. So that was pretty oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it I, was love, definitely I love not Piggly fun. Wiggly. <laughs> I love Piggly Wiggly. I think it's, uh, I've never heard of it until I went, um, I think it was Florida for a vacation one time. But yeah, go to the pig. Rest in peace, pig. Now, now the Butera, I think, actually. <laughs> All right, moving on. DFS. Should I be locking in the safety of Travis Kelsey at this point or saving at tight end? Like has been viable so far. Who are you using if you are saving? Uh, lock in Travis Kelsey. You absolutely need to. I mean, the tight end, the elite tight end position 
<laughs> kind of gotten depleted. I mean, Gronk, he'll probably be you know play and be fine in the long run, but he's had his share of injuries, and he's got some injury questions right now. Jimmy Graham, Jordan Reed, Greg Olson's done for a while. Um, I mean, it's just it's it's just a de- <sighs> Tyler Eifert. It's so <laughs> bad out there um, that like you know. Travis Kelsey and and, and uh, Ertz, Zach Ertz, are like the two shining beacons of like early tight end right now. Uh, you got to hold on to them. It's it's the tight end position is such a wasteland beyond that like elite tier. And then there's some good ones in the mid tier. You know, like your your uh, Ebron's or or um you know I guess maybe Hunter Henry a little bit, but uh, Delaney Walker for example, Martellus Bennett. But that's after that, it gets really, really dry, and so I want to hold on to that elite tight end production. So, you know, I guess if you are saving, Jason Witten is is the always the consummate tight end, late round tight end that you want to use. Yeah, I'm kicking myself in the ass here, Doc, because I was all over Travis Kelsey. And when I was looking at the redraft boards earlier on this offseason and looking at Travis Kelsey after after Macklin got traded, I'm thinking to myself, I don't see why I wouldn't take him in the middle of the second round, maybe even toward the top of the second round, but right before all these wide receivers start going off the board with, you know, the Des Bryans, DeAndre Hopkins, the likes of those guys. And so far that take looked to be pretty, pretty on par there. The problem is I also had that type of take with Brandon Cook. So I guess I'm one for two. I'll take the 50% and run with it there. <laughs> All right, Doc. Uh, movie within a movie time. One of my favorites here, Doc. So what we do is we take one movie's cast of characters, we pick them up, and we move them into a completely different movie plot. So what is the new movie and how does it play out? Yeah, so I love this question. And uh, I have to go, of course, I'm going to take the cast of characters from my favorite movie, which is Euro Trip. I love that movie. <laughs> yes. I, I can watch it you know, a zillion times over. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, it's it's easily my favorite movie. My wife and I, we watch it all the time. So I'm going to take that cast of characters, and they're, and they're great. And I'm going to put them into Armageddon. So they're going to go fly <laughs> up to an, an asteroid and try to save the world, which we already know if you've seen Eurotrip, it, it's a disaster waiting to happen. But the whole point of, of Armageddon is, right, there's this asteroid that's about to hit Earth, and they need to blow it up. So they get this drill team, like the world-class drill team, and, and the, you know they, they go up and fly up the asteroid. But they have a huge party like right before they need to go, and, and you know they make the U.S. government like give them everything they want. And then, then they go up the asteroid, they drop a nuke in there and, and blow up the asteroid, and the father dies. But the, 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 uh, the boyfriend of the girl who's back on Earth comes back, and, and they save Earth, etc. Well, with Eurotrip, what's going to happen is you've got, you've got four main characters. You've got Scotty, who doesn't know that his girlfriend <laughs> was cheating on him and uh he's now chasing after some german chick you've got uh jenny who was played by michelle trachtenberg and uh then you've got cooper who's in love with michelle trachtenberg's character and then and he's just a nutcase and then you've got uh, jamie who's like this uber nerd takes pictures and has his travel fanny pack and has his fromers almanac tourism almanac and he becomes a tour guide at the end of the movie so they fly these guys out to the asteroid, but of course, they have to throw them a big party, and and they get the absinthe, the green absinthe, and and Jamie and Jenny, their brother and sister, the twins, they make out as as usual. So uh, that that part of the storyline stays the same. But then they go up to the the asteroid, and Jamie's supposed to be like the tour guide of the asteroid, so he pulls out his Fromer's asteroid almanac, <laughs> and they're they're they've got the asteroid all mapped out, and he's like, if over here on the right, you'll see the big crater that we need to drop our nuclear bomb down. The problem is 
they need to travel there in their their rover, their their asteroid rover. And Cooper always forgets where he parked his car. At least that's the joke. And he totally <laughs> loses the rover. They can't get the nuclear bomb down there in time, and the world blows up. So that's that's the movie plot. That's, that's glorious. <laughs> yeah, you got to add one more spot. Maybe they end up finding the rover. And then when they find the rover, all right, then they get there, and then they're just about to hit the button to blow up the asteroid or whatever. And then they say, okay, now you got to say this word, and it's the word from Amsterdam when he's in there with the dominatrix. Oh, yes, I love it. Well, and the other thing is on the – actually, I forgot one other thing that I had written down, and that's when they're flying to the asteroid in the space shuttle – they have Mr. Mescuzzi on the on the on the trip with them. I, I don't know if you've seen it, but he's on the train with them, and he's like trying to like be all creepy and make out with them. And they're like, "What the hell are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, Mescuzzi, Mescuzzi." So he's definitely on the trip to the asteroid with them. I, I shit you not. Just last night, my kids were wondering what the heck I was doing, and I was I was doing the robot laugh where you you hold your gut and then you go ah 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 ah. And you hold up, you, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't even put this on air. You no, know, there's, there's the perfect way to end this segment. It's error, error, error. <laughs> yes, we'll move on from there. All right, redraft. Uh, so far, it seems like I'm stuck holding the bag with both Terrell Pryor and Jordan Reed. Is this offense going to get it going and get on the same page, or should we expect more, much ado about nothing? I think they'll get it going, um, whether Jordan Reed's there or not. I mean, Vernon Davis is very capable backup uh, at the tight end position. Um, obviously, I'm talking about the Redskins' offense as a whole. Uh, Jordan Reed, you obviously have to be concerned with the injuries. He's had plenty of injuries throughout his whole career. But what are you going to do, sell him for a wooden nickel? You can't really do that. And, you know, I, I think you just kind of have to hold and, and hope for those big weeks and play him when he's healthy. So that's what you have to do with Jordan Reed. Terrell probably will be fine if there's some chemistry issues there. Obviously, the, the Redskins have struggled to start the year, but they'll get it together. They're, they're still a, a, you know, a pass first team for the most part. Uh, the running game isn't super strong. And Terrell Pryor did have a very strong year last year. So I'm still sticking to my prior until I've got few more weeks to, to realize they're a total disaster. If you get another couple weeks down the road, then maybe it's time to cut ties. But I think right now you kind of just have to hold. All right, Doc, your most embarrassing moment you dare to share on the on the RV waves. You know, I, I don't get embarrassed easily, but uh, I guess one thing that was pretty embarrassing was, of course, I was in, in grad school and didn't love grad school, as I, as I talked about. It was, uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was a time. And so I had to give this talk. Uh, obviously, as a math PhD, you have, to, you have to give these seminars and talks and things. And uh, it was March Madness, and I wanted to watch the games. So before my seminar, which was at 3.30 in the afternoon, right, March Madness starts at, like, noon. And so I went to the bar, had a couple drinks or five or six, and then went to the seminar, was watching the basketball games, you know, during the first talk on my laptop while uh, having it on mute. And then... My turn to talk, and so I give my my 15, 20 minute talk about whatever I'm I've been doing my research on, and uh, get up there. Talk's actually going pretty well. Uh, I'm not slurring my words too bad or anything like that uh, after five or six beers, Budweisers, of course. And <laughs> then walk over to kind of point to the screen because I want to show somebody, you know, whatever's going on with the graph or something like that. And I catch my foot on the the cord that goes from the laptop into the wall, yank it out of the wall. Uh, the laptop comes crashing down, breaks in front of everybody, and I fall over just flat on my face. And uh, 
Yeah. So the the next the next time I met with my advisor, he calls me into his office. He's like, "We need to talk about your your talk there." And I was like, "Oh God, he knew I was drunk, didn't he?" And uh, he goes, "You know, next time uh, I think maybe you should make this a capital letter instead of a lowercase letter. Uh, I think it'll come across better to the reader." And so I was like, "Oh." That's all he took away from the talk. <laughs> so <laughs> turns out I had lucked out. I think he just thought, you know, tripping over a cord happens and didn't realize I was kind of drunk. I, I think he did know and he knew this, the, the anticipation was killing you and he threw that at you just to keep messing with you. I, I actually think you're right, but uh, he was, he was kind of cool about it, I guess. He didn't actually mention it ever, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It, it sounds like it was just right before, you know, the, the Periscope days, right? And you, it, it, if it would have happened five years later, I think you, you'd be pretty viral, pretty famous by now. Yeah, maybe that, damn. Uh, maybe I should uh, go and give a talk here locally about fantasy or something. <laughs> All right, redraft. I'm getting a ton of offers for Carlos Hyde. Haven't bitten on any. I know we talked about him here earlier, Doc. Uh, but basically, this guy feels like he's basically a top five running back at this point. And why should that change? Is he too high on Hyde given the injury history? Or uh, does he really just have to hang on to him unless he gets an elite wide receiver in return? Yeah, I mean, I think Carlos Hyde is a very good back, and uh, you know, he he did almost he almost had like the whole gamut of, of of things as we're watching right now. This Rams and 49ers game, Hyde got his touchdown, 77 yards rushing. Um, you know, he's he's got a reception, five yards, so he's got a good fantasy day going. If you can sell him on that, I'd get a third third round wide receiver. You know, um, maybe I guess we talked about Alshon Jeffrey. I don't know if I'd rather have the Alshon side or the Hyde side, but if you can get something a little better than Alshon for Hyde, I would make that move in a heartbeat, especially given the injury history. Like Hyde, he's very very good. He's talented. He's great at uh, making people miss. One of the things Josh Hermsmeyer has been looking at recently is eluding tackles, and 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 Hyde is one of the best elusivity ratings relative to volume. So. Uh, very good back, but there's always the injury question with Hyde, and uh, that's one of the premises of zero RB. So you can get a third round wide receiver or something like that, you know, preseason ADP or somewhere around there. I probably would end up dealing Hyde for a guy like, for example, first Stephon Diggs. Very good. All right, last but not least here this week, Doc, your week three bold prediction. Week three bold prediction. Um, you know, I think this is this is such a tough week to decide, but. Uh, I'm going to say that uh, Arizona actually gets their their win here. Carson Palmer has not looked good, but Dallas is on the road. Um, you know, they, they struggled against Denver this past weekend, and I think everybody expects Dallas to, to win here. Dallas is a three-point favorite. I like Arizona to win at home. Um, Dallas traveling pretty much, you know, I wouldn't say across the country because it's not. It's from Texas to Arizona, which isn't that far, but they are traveling on the road. Uh, out of conference, and at some point, I think, you know, I, I just think Arizona's probably better than they've shown so far. Carson Palmer does does look like a shell of his former self, but, um, you know, Trevor Simeon just burned Dallas, and I think Carson Palmer has a chance to at least put up a respectable game, and if, if Arizona can move the ball against Dallas, then I think they'll be okay. Uh, the one thing that would, would concern me maybe is um, Arizona's defense. They haven't looked like the Arizona defense of old, but if that can return, I think they beat Dallas. I like the call there. And, and Nick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for you, all right? Kenny Britt's scoring a touchdown this week. That's happening. It's just – it's – Oh, but that's not bold. That's that's duh. 
Yeah, <laughs> right. For you and I and the, the Rotovisians, it, it's duh, right? Because we've seen the uses. I mean, he should have a touchdown already here. But to, to the to the masses, that's a bold call. But you, you're right. It's you know, it's I'll, not. I'll make one other bold call. I'll make one other bold call because I've seen you up there near the top of the leaderboard in the Millionaire Maker before, and uh, I've been up there. I think one of us is going to finish in the top ten in the Millionaire Maker. Oh, oh, there it is. There it is. Well, I think we're going to end on that sweet, sweet note. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a road of his podcast. If you have any questions you want answered on the RV Mailbag, you can submit those via email. Again, that's road of his radio at gmail.com or on Twitter at road of his radio. Use the hashtag RV Mailbag. Doc, man, many thanks for carving out the time coming on the show. Any last minute plugs? No, I, I would just say make sure you uh, subscribe to the Rotoviz podcast. Uh, or sorry, subscribe to Rotoviz with that thirty percent discount. It's awesome. And make sure you uh, if you if you sign up for mybookie.ag with that promo code. Uh, what is it for this show? Roto mailbag. Roto mailbag. Yeah, if you if you sign up and deposit on mybookie.ag with Roto Mailbag and you you take a picture of your confirmation there, send it to rotovizradio@gmail.com. You'll be entered to win a Rotoviz pullover, a very nice athletic pullover. It zips kind of halfway. Uh, it's gonna be gray with a bright red logo, it's a light gray, bright red Rotoviz logo. It's gonna be super slick. You can win one of those for free just by going to mybookie.ag, signing up there, and making your first deposit. Taking a picture of the, the confirmation and sending it to Road of His Radio at gmail.com. Boom. There it is. Cannot wait to get mine as well. We're almost on our way, Doc, to having a Rotovus hoodie or sweatshirt or something for every single day of the week. We're so close. I can't wait till that happens. I'm going to have every single one of my kids in Rotovis gear, and that's going to be the Twitter handle. That's it right there. I love it. I love it. Yeah, for me, I mean, as soon as the as soon as this pullover comes, you know, it's not going to come off of me for probably three weeks or something like that. Nice. All right, that's going to do it again. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes. It means a lot. I'm Jeremy Hart at Fantasy Gumshoe. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Mailbag, a special edition of Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I am familiar with over 600 dance moves and I am programmed to get freaky. Hey, listen up, everybody. <clears throat> Got a little special thing I'd like to do tonight. I'll play a little song for you about the nastiest, freakiest little sex puppet I know. Fiona. <laughs> This one's for you, baby. Happy anniversary.
Here we go in three, two. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. I'm getting a whole bunch of crackle and snap crackle and pop and all that stuff. Hey, Doc, can you, are you there? I'm here. Oh, yeah. It, Did I cut out? Yeah, your mic cut out. Right after the oh. suckage part. What was I saying before suckage? Huh? Oh. Can you hear me? Here we go. Oh. I'm getting a... Hello. That's what I'm getting so far. <laughs> no, now you're way back in the belly. Like, now you're, you're way back in the tunnel. Way back there. God, are you there? Oh, and then I heard a... Hello, Joyce? Are you there? I don't know. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.